Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary and I'm flying the TARDIS solo this week. So let's crack on with episode 326. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. A bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week. This is episode 326. It's going to be a short one this week. It's just me chipping about in the old in the old TARDIS. And I wasn't sure if I was going to do an episode this week because, as you know, Adam is off on his holes at the minute. And when Adam goes off on holiday, or if I go off on holiday, or we're both away, well, obviously, then we tend to have a little break and so on. But I did say to Adam that if there was any cool news that was going to drop, and I will jump on and do a solo one. Plus, we've already put an episode out this week on Wednesday. Hopefully you've listened to the roundtable, number three, where I assembled uh, some of our writing team. We had Jordan, Matt and Maria. We went through the big news that dropped about Russell coming back as showrunner from the 60th onwards. So I'm not going to go into that stuff this week, although there is a couple of questions. So what I thought would be cool was, alongside this cool bit of news... I've actually got two bits of news, actually. One of them's very cool. One of them's just a, a nice little thing to let you guys know about. I also thought it'd be cool to do a little Q&A. I haven't done a Q&A in ages. So you guys, have, uh, there was a few of you that took to Twitter. Thank you very much. And we had a couple of emailed in as well. So I'll get to those after the news. So I wasn't sure about doing another episode this week, but need to let you know what's going on, of course, in the world of Doctor Who. So I hope you're having a cracking week. I hope you're keeping well and safe and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related, of course. I hope you've done something Doctor Who-y over the last week, alongside listening to our roundtable number three, of course. There might be another one next week of those as well. It might be roundtable number four. So our our writing dudes have already thrown a couple of ideas in our Discord server about what to chat about. So 
keep an ear out for next week. Not sure yet. There could be it could be zero next week. There could be no episode three two seven. Could be no round table. Could be both. Could be one or the other. I don't know. It's fun times. They are fun times, but they are unexpected times. So whatever. So I'm going to now. We had somebody get in contact. Oh, actually, we had somebody mention to Adam. Uh, a little while ago, I think it was when he was at the BFI for Evil of the Daleks. Someone said to him, look, guys, I love your show and everything. It is good. But when you come to do the news, if you've got any news, and Gary says, let's land the TARDIS and do some news, it bugs me that you guys play the TARDIS takeoff or dematerialization sound and not the landing slash material. So I'm very sorry about that. All this time, eh? We just thought we had a cool TARDIS clip to play that took us into the news. And uh, yeah, people are not not happy. Well, somebody's not happy with us. So I'll rectify that. But before I get on to the news, though, remember to drop a like and follow us on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. We'd love to have you as a, as a follower so that you don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And if this, is your, if this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome aboard the TARDIS. It's great to have you here. And if you're a long-time listener, uh, one of the grizzled ancients, then it's great to have you here also. So yeah, drop a, a follow uh, on, on those apps or head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can find links to all of the kind of popular uh, podcast apps and stuff like Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, all those sorts of things, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts are all on there. Uh, just give us a follow over there. And if you've got a minute to leave us a review and a rating, that'd be awesome because it helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links are on the website. And while you're on the website, don't forget to check out the the great uh, reviews and articles, all that awesome stuff that our writing team all put out every week. It's uh, great stuff over there, so make sure you check that out. And lastly, we have a free Discord server. So go and sign up to that if you haven't done so already. Literally takes 30 seconds to do that. And we've got a really, really cool community of Doctor Who fans over there that chat all sorts of stuff. Classic Who, new Doctor Who, books, merchandise, collecting, events, you know, conventions, the whole lot. So go and get involved over there. So uh, let's take off (laughs) from the TARDIS and do this bit of news. So, first up, you will know that Adam and I were huge, and I'm, it's no over-exaggeration there, we are huge fans of the Doctor Who experience when it was up and running in Cardiff. It was such a cool place to go. We absolutely loved going there. It was a really cool, I'm sure you guys love going there as well. It was one of those places where, uh, what's the best way to describe this? It was one of those places where, of course, it was great to go and see all the props and costumes and and the sets and all that stuff from Doctor Who. But it was also just a really cool place to go and hang out. And I experienced that one time. I think the the time that it was, I didn't go to the the original experience when it was in London many years ago, but when they got it set up in in Cardiff. And I think they run it they they ran it for about 4 or 5 years. I think about 5 years they ran it in in Cardiff. And I went to it 3 times there. And uh it's just a really cool place. It was a really cool place to just go and hang out. So once you've done the 
the whole interactive bit at the beginning and then you've taken your time to look at all the various bits and bobs in, in it's, it's a pretty sweet building it was nice and roomy and they had plenty of stuff in there once you'd gone through that area there was a coffee shop there but there was just something about being in cardiff which was where they had the experience which was down at the bay so it wasn't in cardiff central but down at the bay they that where they made doctor who was just down the road so it was really cool just to be in that area of cardiff where they make doctor who and on the day that you went there there was kind of a uh just a great fandom feeling around there because as you got through cardiff and you parked in the car park and you had a nice little walk down there and it's lovely down there by the way if you've not been to cardiff yet it's uh it's lovely that's that's really cool little bars and restaurants down there you, it's just nice to be around uh, even though the experience is not there anymore it's a cool place to be but when it was there you'd see people in doctor who t-shirts you'd often see cosplayers the all three times that i went we were just sat there having a coffee and we'd see somebody just walk past in a david Tennant suit or we'd see somebody dressed up as tom baker just walking around but loads of doctor who hoodies and t-shirts and stuff and you just knew that you were surrounded by lots of other cool doctor who fans and there was one time where me and uh me and the family were there we were coming out of the i think we were coming out of the experience and uh, we bumped into um adam and i's good friend ad uh the ultimate who what's his twitter name i can't remember you know tall ad and um and uh and dean i believe who was who lives in wales anyway just completely unexpected like none of us said that we were we were there at the time. It was just one of those cool things. Anyway, I digress. The Doctor experience was amazing. There's a slight glimmer of hope that we're going to get something just as cool starting next year. And this is the Doctor Who touring exhibition, which is going to kick off in May here in the UK with, uh, and don't worry, those of you that listen, I know we've got a lot of fans that listen in in the US and Australia and New Zealand and you know across Europe. Don't worry. International dates are going to be added soon so we know that here in the uk from may we're going to have this doctor who experience it's kind of like going out on tour i guess and this has been announced by bbc studios and it will feature props and costumes uh, just like it was any experience i imagine it'll be a very similar thing just a little bit uh, a, a little bit scaled down now i imagine this is going to be in a similar thing those of you that are star wars fans Star Wars did this sort of international exhibition and they did one at the O2. It was in London for a while. I imagine it will be similar to that where they have all costumes and props and all the rest of it, some interactive stuff. It's kind of cool. So this is called Doctor Who Worlds of Wonder where science meets fiction and it plunges fans of all ages into a scientific universe. They'll explore uh, all the ways in which science has played a part in the world's longest running science fiction show. So a little bit of blurb from those guys then. So this is run in conjunction with a company called Sana. Uh, they're the guys that actually set up the actual Doctor Who experience in Cardiff and ran it and all that stuff. So uh, they know what they're doing, which is going to be good. And it's going to be split into eight different zones. And it's kind of an educational thing as well as the entertainment side of things. And it's got a diverse selection of different scientific topics. Uh, all the while drawing in content uh, and all pieces from the Doctor Who universe. So visitors can journey through cosmic curiosities and in the TARDIS tech room, they'll discover more about the time traveling police box. And along the way, they'll learn about the science behind time travel and whether it's really possible. 
or visit the Monster Vault to get up close to some of the weird and wonderful characters that have graced our screens. The journey for this engaging experience will take about an hour and a half, inspiring schools, family groups and fans, and tickets will be available to purchase from the, uh, to the general public from October. So next, literally from tomorrow. I don't know when in October, but I'm recording this on Thursday the 30th of September. And the 1st of October is tomorrow. So potentially from tomorrow we'll be able to book tickets. Now it's a given that Adam and I will be going to this probably more than once. So we'll give you the lowdown uh, once we've been through it. Uh, but it does sound very good. So a little bit more blurb on this then. Doctor Who provides a perfect guide through the wondrous worlds of space, time and life sciences. So Paula Alak from BBC Studios, who's the events director for live entertainment, spoke to, and this was out on, this was a, a, an interview they had with the official Doctor Who website about how pleased they were to re- reunite with the company Sana. It says, we're delighted to be working with Sana again, following their creation of the Doctor Who experience. It is really exciting to explore Doctor Who from this perspective and have the opportunity to take the, the exhibition to fans globally. And then Ed Cookson, who is Sana's International Projects Director, went on to say that we couldn't be more thrilled with the opportunity to work with BBC Studios again. For almost 60 years, Doctor Who has been exploring mind-bending scientific developments and has also influenced the generation of scientists, engineers and artists. The iconic characters, monsters, stories and settings of the television series provide a perfect guide through the wondrous worlds of space, time and life sciences. So there we go. I think from the blurb that's that's been given to us and so on and the information, it's clear that it's going to be kind of educational, trying to tie in some scientific stuff, trying to tie in how Doctor Who could potentially be used like, you know, real world, you know, inspiration for sciences and engineering and stuff. And then it's going to have some entertainment stuff with the the actual stuff that you can see from the show. So it's probably going to be like the experience in Cardiff, but a bit of an educational tour as well. So I'll let you know how much tickets are. It doesn't say yet how much these tickets are. And it doesn't say the dates or anything for the international tour or anything like that. So we'll keep you guys updated. But this is very cool. Uh, If you've missed the Doctor Who experience, which I know I have, and I know Adam has, then this is going to be very cool. And we don't know where in the UK this is going to be just yet. I'm assuming, assuming it's going to be in London somewhere. But we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Uh, Next bit of news is a bit of merch news, actually. It's a book, which looks rather good. So the the company um, called uh, Ten Acre Films is putting this new book out called The Long Game. 1996 to 2003, the inside story of how the BBC brought Doctor Who, uh, how the BBC brought back Doctor Who which is very cool. Now, this company is very... I've pre-ordered this this morning when I saw this news article because I've already got a couple of their books. They're very good. So this is the company that initially started with the Wurzel Gummidge book, which I assume is why the company's called Ten Acre Films because uh, uh, in Wurzel Gummidge, the, the, it's set on a place called Ten Acre Farm. But anyway, if you've read that Doctor... Sorry, if you've read that Wurzel Gummidge book, you'll know just how cool it is. It's a very, very cool book. Really insightful, um, really in-depth, very, very cool. This book is is pretty much the same size. I think the World's War book was about 380-odd pages. This one 
is um, 350 odd pages. So very, very similar. So if you've read the Wurzel book, it's like that. These are the guys that also did the reprint of Andrew Cartmel's Script Doctor book, which is now unfortunately sold out. And they also did the drama and delight, the life and legacy of Verity Lambert, which is still available, which looks rather good. So the long game is, let me just read you some blurb on this one. The reason why I think this is very cool is because we rarely get any insight into this era of Doctor Who. Uh, essentially, when there was no Doctor Who, is the best way to put it. So we've got tons of books around classic Who and how Doctor Who came to be way back in the day, leading up to the Hartnell era and the show actually launching. We have tons of books around behind the scenes of each era of classic Who. Not just Andrew Cartmel's Script Doctor book, but there's a a dozen books that go into the behind the scenes stuff for all the classic doctors. We've got a couple of really cool books about modern who after it had launched. So one book that we always bang on about is the writer's tale book from Russell T Davis and so on. And there's a few other books that go into uh, some, some of the doctors from 2005 onwards, but we rarely get an insight into the, it's kind of like the wilderness years, the dark times. And the the tagline for this book is, it would only happen in the BBC, wouldn't it? BBC Worldwide wouldn't let BBC TV produce it. Which is very true. So I'm going to read you some blurb on this one. It does sound really, really cool. So when Russell T Davis's triumphant Doctor Who relaunched, uh, hit our screens in 2005, it didn't simply appear out of nowhere. The show's journey back to television was long and complicated for years since the last attempt to revive the programme had seen enormous changes at the BBC, not least in the drama department, along with battles between different parts of the BBC over who should get to bring the Doctor Who back to screen, and even doubts on whether or not the BBC, the BBC still held the rights to make the show at all. Uh, the long game is the story of those conflicts and setbacks during a transformative time for the BBC. It's a story told by those who were there, including BBC One controllers Lorraine Hegacy and Alan Yentob, drama bosses Julie Gardner, uh, Jane Trantner and Mal Young, BBC Worldwide execs Rupert Gavin and Mike Phillips, and BBC Films head David Thompson. Many speaking in depth for the first time about the part they played in the attempts to bring Doctor Who back. Drawing on more than uh, 30 new interviews and extensive research, The Long Game tells how Doctor Who went from a one-night stand in May 1996 to a headline-making major recommission in September 2003. And lastly, it says, Paul Hayes was born and raised in West Sussex, now lives in Norwich. A writer and broadcaster, he has contributed feature articles to the likes of Doctor Who magazine, BBC Online, uh, the Stage and the Eastern Daily Press. For the BBC, he has produced and presented a variety of radio documentaries on subjects including the Beatles, motor racing, uh, broadcasting history, politics, film, football, and of course, Doctor Who, a programme which he has loved for as long as he can remember. So it does sound really cool. Like I said, we rarely get an insight into this kind of weird in-betweeny bit. And there's a quote as well that um, has been put out from Paul Hayes, who's the author, uh, who says, it's a book I always wanted to read, but it didn't seem to exist. So I decided to write it myself. There are, of course, many interviews, articles and documentaries from down the years, which tell assorted bits of the story, but it never felt like there was anything which pulled it all together in one place or reflected on the wider context that was going on at the BBC through those years. I hope the book will appeal to anyone interested in the history of British television, particularly BBC television drama around the turn of the century, and give Doctor Who fans a real insight from many of those who were there. There you go. 
that sounds very cool. So I pre-ordered this this morning. It's not out until November, I believe. I think it drops. So you can pre-order it now. Yeah, so it drops in November and you can pre-order it from the website now. It's £12.99. The shipping in the UK for me was, I think it was a couple of quid. So I think it went up to like £16 or something like that overall. So it's really good value. And I think they ship into, I could be wrong, but I think they ship internationally. If they don't, then I do apologise. It's uh, it's in the UK, but I think they do. So this sounds like a very cool book. So as always, we'll give you our review. We'll give you our thoughts on it once we've given it a read. But yes, The Long Game, 1996 to 2003, the inside story of how the BBC brought back Doctor Who. And I'll stick a link in the show notes to the Ten Acre Films uh, website so you can pre-order the book. It should be rather good. So that is the news and uh, a little bit of merch there out the way. I want to keep this one fairly short. It's just me, you guys. I want to hear me waffle on too much about this stuff on my own some. So I'm going to crack on with the Q&A stuff that I got through. I'm going to do uh, the ones we had over on Twitter first. There's only a few, so don't worry, it's not going to take too long. So over on Twitter, we had Chris Vint. Uh, his Twitter name is at Vintos Volts, who says, was there a story you read about that made you think... They'll never do that in Who, and they did. Uh, so I can't quite figure out if you mean in a novel or some kind of news story. So if it's if you're referring to a novel, then I don't think so. No, I don't think there's ever there was ever a, a thing that I read in a novel that I thought, hmm, that would be crazy if they did that in the show and then they actually did that, so I'm not sure. But if you're referring to things like uh, news updates about upcoming episodes that we thought, wow, you know, that's a rumour. They'll probably never do that, but they end up going through with it. Then probably in recent times, um, probably the Timeless Child stuff, if I'm being honest, if I'm being brutally honest. Because we had that whole, we had that whole vibe, didn't we, around Series 12 as that was going through the motions and there was constant chatter around this Timeless Child thing. And there was conversation around, well, you know, they're probably not going to do what they think we're, <laughs> what we think they're going to do, which is the whole, you know, I don't want to get into that too much, but the whole, uh, you know, a lot of people refer to it as like cannon breaking, weird, you know, uh, legacy busting storyline of the timeless children and the timeless child, all that stuff. So I think that's probably for me the thing that I thought, well, they're not, you know, they're not going to change you know, the legacy and history of the show and, and and break all that stuff. But no, they went ahead and did that. So if you're referring to that side of things, then it's probably that. But I don't think from a novel perspective, no, because for me, I tend to read novelizations of things that have already been out. So a lot of the Target books and even some of the newer Target books that are just novelizations of the TV episodes. So it's the other way round in a, in a way, I suppose. But thank you very much for your question, though, Chris Vint. Moving on, this is Endaf, which is at Endaf71, says, Hi, so with RTD coming back, what direction would you like him to take the show forward? And also, what do you personally think the show needs from 2023 to ensure a strong and vibrant future? Well, first of all, before I answer this question, Endaf, and thank you very much for your question, we did, like I mentioned earlier, we did a whole roundtable episode on this that went out on Wednesday. So go back and listen to that. We all ch- That was the actual subject of that show of that particular episode sorry so we talk about the whole news of russell coming back and what we what we're hoping he can bring to the table and and some some bits and bobs around that but 
overall, to keep it short and sweet, I would like the show to be to move more into a um more into a less serious uh direction. I think is the best way to put it. I think series eleven and twelve has been bogged down with this kind of weird pressure that's been put on their shoulders for un, you know for for no reason at all. We, uh, uh, I, I don't hate the the Chibbers era or 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 Jody or anything like that. You guys, you guys know that. We're just not Adam and I just can't seem to get into this particular era. You know, we, something's just not clicking. It's not terrible. It's not. It's not terrible, but it's just it seems to have lost its buzz and its fun and stuff like that. And when they do try and do these quirky one-off episodes that are kind of like creature of the week sort of features and they try and have fun with it a bit and it just feels like it's forced it feels like there's this it feels like chris chibnall has written this big this big thing in the case of series 12 it was the timeless child thing which we all knew was coming it seems like this big thing just sort of weights down on everything so when they do try and inject a bit of fun and they try to to be light-hearted with it it just feels forced so you you're not really buying into it as a viewer because you're just waiting for the next episode where we get onto the big series arc thing that's you know ultimately coming. And I know Moff did that to a degree. That uh, the Moff bag did that for um, for series seven, was it six or seven, definitely seven at least. And um, yeah, but it wasn't too bad. It didn't feel like, although it buckled under its own weight a few times, it didn't feel as heavy as this. So I would like the show to get back to having that. Um, you know, or, or, or I'm, I'm sure that Russell is a, a different person now than back in 2003 when it all kicked off, and then in 2005 when, in 2004 when they're actually making it and producing it, um, he's gone on to write such amazing stuff, and he's probably matured and grown as a writer and stuff like that, and has got a different view now, slightly on TV itself as a medium and how Doctor Who fits into that. So I'm sure it is going to feel different and stuff but i'm hoping we just get that little rtd spark back where the show just feels just all out fun again and it's not collapsing under its own weight and whatnot so yeah that's what i'd like to take the uh, that's why i'm hoping they'll they'll move forward in that direction and what the show needs uh, to ensure a strong and vibrant future we just need to get back to the characters we just need to get back to the doctor just going on adventures and not worrying about the fam too much and you know, it's just get back to good old-fashioned fun storytelling. You know, it's a bit cliched, but, you know, it's all about the storytelling and the characters. And unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, Chris Chibbers has not been great at delivering that. You know, with the exception of the odd episode here and there, it just doesn't feel like he's accomplished that very well. So I'm hoping that RTD Spark comes back. Uh, moving on, this is Tom, uh, which is at Titan Sci-Fi says, what do you, the fam, <laughs> laughing emoji, uh, think about Bad Wolf collaboration with BBC and Doctor Who? What do I think about Bad Wolf? So uh, for those of you that are not aware, so Bad Wolf is a production company that was formed, I think it was, a f- yeah, back in 2015. It's about six years ago now. It was formed... Um, to make not, uh, although the name is obviously, um, you know, 
picked straight from uh, Doctor Who for obvious reasons, because the majority of the people that uh, formed Bad Wolf and and so on are from the the BBC production team that that formed Doctor Who. Most notably, people like Julie Gardner, Jane Dranter, uh, and those sorts of people. Um, they uh, they form their own production company, and they've made some really cool shows. And this comes back to something that Adam and I have spoken about a few times. We'll come on to in a second, but they've uh, they've made uh, a show called Industry, which was not too bad. A Discovery of Witches, which is doing fairly well on Sky. Uh, it's on season three now. Uh, Billy Piper's show I Hate Susie uh, was done uh, did pretty well, and they're on season two now of His Dark Materials, uh, which was a, an, another popular show, which I think was Sky. I can't remember. Uh, so. Uh, in terms of Bad Wolf now linking back up with BBC Studios alongside Russell to make the show, I think is a really good thing because Adam and I have spoken, you know, a little bit about this over the last few years. And uh, my opinion is that in order for Doctor Who to transcend and sort of start to compete with the bigger players in terms of just TV in general at the minute, I'm not talking about just terrestrial TV like the BBC or ITV, those sorts of channels we hear, we have here in the UK. I'm talking about Amazon Prime streaming, Netflix, Disney Plus. It might not be the goal to do that from the from the BBC's point of view, but I think in order for them to really start to really pull in big big ratings like those a lot of those shows do. If you think about some of the programs over on Disney Plus, mainly Star Wars and Marvel. Now, obviously, this is like apples and oranges, right? I'm aware of that. The money that's involved with Marvel and Star Wars over at Disney is colossal compared to what the BBC has in terms of budget for Doctor Who. I'm aware of that. But there are lots of other shows on things like Netflix and Amazon, things like Stranger Things, you know, that kind of thing. Things that pull in like real big numbers. Um, if, If Doctor Who wants to sort of climb the ladder and get up to those those big numbers because I think the viewing figures for series 12 hovered around sort of 4 million, maybe 8 million for the opening one. And then it, you know, titters down a bit and it's titters down to like 4 million, four and a half, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas if you look at some of the bigger shows that are out there on those streaming services, um, we're talking like, you know, 15 million viewers, you know, 18 million, you know, 25 million viewers and stuff like that. So, it's big numbers and big numbers equals more more opportunity to to draw in more funding more money that's kind of thing so my view has always been that the bbc should just sell off doctor who actually my view hasn't always been that but in the last couple of years it's been because there was something quirky about and and cool around you know the doctor who remaining quintessentially british and being part of the bbc and you know, holding on to that history and legacy of the show and whatnot. But realistically talking, how much can the BBC put into this show? Uh, It's kind of got a glass ceiling, is what I'm trying to say. I think the resources that the BBC has and the amount of money that it can pump into it has got a finite amount and it will only ever be, you know, uh, as, as, as... as, as successful as the money that that's going to put into it, you know. So am I saying that 
it should be the new thing. So if we look at Amazon at the moment and they're making the Lord of the Rings TV series, I think it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that it's the most expensive production ever stupid amount of money to do that am i saying that doctor who should have the same treatment no not at all but i do feel like it could spread its wings wider and grow a lot more if it was given over to something like netflix or or amazon or disney whatever to get more money more sort of worldwide writers and so on so um in terms of bad wolf these guys have, you know, they've got the chops now. They've been going for a few years and they've got experience with making other shows that have gone out, not just at the BBC, but on those streaming services and on Sky and so on. And they've done really well. You know, the, the majority of those shows that they've put out have done very well. So that's only a good thing, in my opinion, Tom. And also, the, the as a sort of happy accident or a side effect, an added bonus of doing that, is working with Bad Wolf, we now get some of the original talent that launched Doctor Who back in 2005 in the first place. So we get Julie Gardner back and we get, you know, a few other people that were involved in that stuff uh, back in the day, which is very cool because it's kind of, it, it must put Russell's mind at ease a little bit because he knows he's now got some backup, you know, getting the band back together a little bit, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so that must be a good feeling for him. Uh, so if you've ever seen any of the programs that Bad Wolf has done as a production company, especially his Dark Materials, which I wasn't a fan of, I must admit. I watched the first few episodes of season one and it just didn't really hook me as much. Um, but I did see a few of them and I have seen a few episodes of A Discovery of Witches. If you've seen those shows, then you'll know just how good they look and how well they're produced and how well they're made. They're very polished, very well produced, good looking TV productions. So that's only a good thing, Tom. So I'm looking forward to that. That's what I think about that one. So last question from Twitter. This is from Chippy T uh, at Cybermania 2020 says, if you could pick any new doctor, any new doctor who doctor to make any missing episode, whether recently created or recreated or not, who and which would you choose? I'm going Capaldi and Marco Polo. That's a good question, Chippy. Thank you very much. So Capaldi and Marco Polo, that'd be a good one. For obvious reasons, the whole, you know, Capaldi's Doctor is uh, in some ways very similar to um, to, uh, to Hartnell and stuff. So that's all good. Um, the one that I'm going with um, is another... It's uh, another Hartnell episode. And I'm going to go with the Celestial Toymaker, but starring Chris Eccleston. I think that would be a really good, a really good um, sort of either prequel or sequel, whichever way you want to view it, to the episode Bad Wolf from series one. So the toy maker, the celestial toy maker, sorry, we all know is the uh, is the story where uh, the doctor, uh, the companions. What's the who are the companions for that one? I think it's Dodo and Dodo and Stephen. I think for the for the celestial toy maker, they get thrown into this kind of weird places, weird dimension or domain, whatever, 
and the celestial toy maker sort of throws them into a series of like weird tests and games and stuff and they have to sort of survive those uh uh if not you know it's you know they're they're up for the chop sort of thing so uh, i i believe that the final episode uh called the final test uh survives that's in the archives but the other three episodes the celestial toy room hall of dolls and the dancing floor they're all lost but the actual premise of the story sounds very similar to bad wolf if you guys remember bad wolf from series one uh in in 2005 where it's all that weird futuristic game show stuff you know uh big brother and that sort of thing so i think it would be a real weird kind of uh prequel to that where the, where Chris Eccleston's doctor would have some experience about being plucked and plopped into a you know some kind of weird test some kind of weird uh, game show esque kind of um, uh, test sort of thing so I think that'd be good and also uh, it would just be fascinating just to watch Chris Eccleston uh, in black and white um, uh, play the doctor in those old sort of stories so that's what my one would be my idea gpt but thank you very much for your question and then over on email we had sammy so sammy is our regular reviewer from down under she fired over a load of questions so i'm going to rattle through them very quickly thank you very much sammy the first one is do you think now that russell is taking over again that we will see well-rounded well-developed memorable characters again yes because russell t davis if you've watched not just doctor who when he was on it but any of the cool shows that he's done since then he is just a master at character writing so the answer to that one is absolutely yes we will see that when he comes back do you think that a villain like say the daleks for example when we see them the story with them will pick up where we left them last time like russell did in his previous era yes i think they will i don't think he's going to go down the road of rebooting timelines or or monsters or aliens or anything like that i think it'll be handled rather interestingly but i can't see it being a I think it will pick up from from where we left off, yeah. Although, you know, timey-wimey and all that stuff, who knows, but I think it will. With the 14th Doctor's casting likely to come in the future, what do you think are important qualities to have in an actor who plays the Doctor? Also, do you think gender and ethnicity are going to play a more significant role in deciding whoever they cast? Interesting one, this, Sammy. I think that, to answer the second bit of your question first, about gender and ethnicity, I would love to say that that stuff doesn't matter. I, I I truly would love to say that um, you know your gender or your ethnicity shouldn't be included in your ability or you know how you play that role. So auditioning for the doctor, if they see five hundred people and you happen to be an amazing actor who would be a brilliant doctor, it shouldn't matter what gender or ethnicity you are. So I'd love to say it doesn't matter. However, I do think unfortunately. At the BBC, there is a little bit of uh, uh, checking off of boxes that, that's happened over the last um, couple of years. Evident with Jodie being the first female Doctor. That in itself is nothing. There's nothing wrong with that from from my or our opinion here on the show. But it does feel sometimes that the BBC, they have a little bit of a drive to be... I don't want to use the word woke, but they have a bit of a... It feels like anyway, they have a bit of a a need or a drive to try and include things so that they could be so they can be viewed as um you know a sort of forward thinking uh 
organisation, I suppose. So I'd like to think it wouldn't matter, but yeah, I, I can't really say uh, how that's going to go. The first part of your question, what uh, important qualities to, to have in an actor who plays a doctor? So for me, there are two. The first one is they've got to be quirky. There has to be something that's kind of off, uh, what's the phrase, sort of off plum, if you like. It would be awful if they hired just a straight actor. There has to be something that's just, that's different about them. And I don't mean a, an actor who's just making themselves quirky to play the character. I mean about them personally as a person. Something quirky that they can bring to the role. Whether that's their... Um, uh, the way that they the way that they talk, the way that they move, their ideas that they might have for the costume and stuff like that. You know, just real kind of it would it would be awful if they just hired somebody who was just like, okay, I'm now the doctor. Just you know, tell me what you want me to do. You know, you tell me how you want me to portray this character. I'm a good actor. You tell me what to do. I'd hate that. I'd hate. I'd much prefer them to be like, okay, I think my doctor should be like this. So I think they need to have some quirks about them. And secondly, uh, they just need to be, They, I think they need to have a bit of strength to push back against Russell and some of the writers when, when they feel it's needed. So we know now that there's been a lot of, there was, sorry, a lot of tension and, you know, potential arguments and all the rest of it between Chris Eccleston and Russell T. Davis and the other producers at the time. And I like that about Chris. I like the fact that he's read the script. He's, you know, he's developing his character. And if he's not happy about something, then he's going to say it, which ultimately ends up with a better result at the end. Because like I said, the last thing you want is an actor to come in and say, you've hired me because I'm a good actor. Now you tell me all the things you want me to do. It would be much better if the actor playing the doctor actually said, do you know what? I don't think they would deliver that line like that. Or I don't feel, because there's, there's a really good behind the scenes footage of David Tennant's very last or some of his last scenes and it's when he's regenerating in the TARDIS and we had that famous line I don't want to go and when you look at Doctor Who Confidential at the time when they were filming the behind the scenes stuff uh, Chris uh, David Tennant did about you know various different takes on how he delivered that line and you can see him looking at the playback and talking with Russell and he's saying he's giving his input he's saying yeah, I, I just don't feel like the character would deliver it that way based on, you know, everything he's gone through and it just doesn't feel right and he's talking it through. That's cool. I'd rather something like that than, you know, action, he does it and, you know, the director's like, that's, you know, that's what we're doing and that's that, period. Uh, next question. Do you think that Joe Martin's Doctor will play a significant role in Series 13? No. Do you think Jodie will regenerate in the centenary special and do you think the 60th will be separate from that storyline or will it continue it will continue and i don't think she will regenerate in that 60th i think or will she i'm not sure she might do or well it depends it depends on when that falls in relation to series 14 um are we going to class these specials next year as no, I don't think so. So when David Tennant did those specials, it was series four, the specials. So I'm assuming, rightly or wrongly, that once series 13 is done and we get these, I think it's two or three specials throughout 2022, they'll probably be labelled as series 13, the specials. It depends on 
where the 60th falls in relation to that and series 14, the proper new, you know, so it depends if Jodie comes back for the beginning of that episode one regenerates there. It all depends on the storyline and how that's written, I guess, Sammy, but, uh, I think it's likely she will regenerate in the 60th, ready for a whole new era to pick up and just get rocking and rolling from series 14 in 2023. But you never know. I'm not sure on storyline yet, obviously. We don't know. And last question, will Russell bring back Trinity Wells, the American newsreader, last seen in the series four finale? Um, don't know. Is anyone bothered about that? I guess, is this one of those cool little things that he might be thinking about? You know, she was a little fan favourite, Trinity Wells, I must admit. So is it, it might be one of those things that Russell's already thinking about. I know that he said in that statement that was put out when the news landed about him coming back, he said that we're sort of going fast forward in time. Right now, he's still a viewer and he's enjoying just watching Doctor Who and Jodie's era and stuff like that. Oh, that's obviously not true. His his mind is, uh, don't get me wrong, I think he is watching it and he is enjoying it as a viewer, but I, I don't believe that he's not working on the show yet. I'm pretty sure he's got loads of ideas stirring around and he's, you know, putting stuff down and writing stuff already. Uh, story outlines and stuff like that. Um, and maybe he's thinking about that stuff. Maybe he's thinking, you know, what can I do? These cool little nuggets of fan service, as long as they're not in your face too much and too cheesy. What sort of things can I bring back that will make the fans go, oh, yes, I remember that character from way back from series two, Tenants episode when, you know, whatever. So maybe, maybe, maybe he will. I'm not sure. I'm sure there are bigger things to think about right now, though, than Trinity Wells coming back. So that is the Q&A wrapped up. Thank you very much to Chris, Endaf, Tom and Chippy T over on the socials and Sammy for emailing your questions in. That's been fun. It's been good to uh, to answer your questions on that. So let's, ra- let's uh, wrap up there for episode 326. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back to listening to our show for another week. That was episode 326. If you're new to the show, then it's great to have you here. This is not the normal format for newbies out there. Normally it's myself and my co-host Adam that go through all this stuff and we review either a new episode or a classic episode or Torchwood at the minute. Those of you that have come back, long-time listeners, you know the deal. This isn't the usual stuff. So uh, regardless, welcome back and thank you very much for listening this week. As I mentioned earlier, remember to follow our show in whatever podcast app you prefer to listen to your podcast on. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. Uh, and if you've got a minute to leave a review or a rating for us, that would be awesome because it really does help us out a lot with the ratings and discoverability and all that stuff. You can do that in things like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser.com. That would be awesome. And thank you to those of you that have left reviews thus far. Uh, we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook just do a search for us over there come and give us a like and a follow as we chat doctor who throughout the week Uh, and if you need to find links directly to those things you can do that over on the website which is a bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk 
You can also listen to all of our episodes on the website, plus you can read all of the amazing reviews and articles from our writing team. So go and check those out as well. And we have a free Discord server, as I mentioned. Come and sign up and chat Doctor Who with like-minded Who fans and, uh, and get involved over there. Until next so like I said, I'm not sure what's happening next week. Um, I might do a solo show if there's anything newsworthy. Uh, if not, I will I will leave it. There might be a round table though as well. There might be another one. So just keep an eye on the socials for that stuff and I will let you guys know on that. So maybe until next week, but definitely the week after when Adam's back. Um, please take care of yourselves. Stay safe and healthy. And remember, Elondie! Hey.